All right, well, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, this morning, we are continuing in our series Align, a church aligned with God's will. And we are in Acts chapter 16 this morning, Acts chapter 16. So if you would find your way over there, Acts chapter 16 is where we're at this morning. And uh, today, as Scott mentioned, begins Advent, and it's an, an opportunity for us uh, to celebrate and to begin to celebrate what God has done through us in Christ uh, by sending a Savior to, to die for us. Amen. And today is the beginning of that day, or beginning of that season, a season of expected longing, um, of hope, because we know that, that the Christ did come. We know that the Christ will come again. Uh, God promises us that in His Word. And so we expect that, but we also, we long for that as well. We long for Him to return and to set everything right. And so just as those, when Jesus came on the scene, were expecting the Messiah to show up, we are expecting the Messiah to show up as well, and we long for that time. And this is an opportunity for us to begin to celebrate that and to think about that. And so with that in mind, I've sent out an Advent reading guide uh, for you to, to read through. Um, and there are two guides. Uh, both of them have the same material, but, but one of them is geared a bit more towards kids. So if you have kids or grandkids, um, I encourage you to download that one and, and use that one. The other one is geared more towards adults, but it also has the family section in it as well. And and there are more adult readings in there other than just the family time. And so I'd encourage you to read through that. It goes through uh, the scriptures and it highlights uh, the, the, the promised Messiah. It highlights Jesus coming. It highlights the return of him as well. And, and so there are guided readings through that, explanations and things like that. And uh, we'll begin to, to talk about that uh, throughout the coming weeks as we prepare for our candlelight service that we're going to have uh, prior to Christmas Amen. as we close out Advent. Well, hopefully you found yourself in Acts chapter 16 by now, and that's where we'll be at this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to work through most of the text. I'm not going to read it all because uh, it's quite lengthy. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will dive in. Lord, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together as your church to open your word, to read from it, to learn from it, to allow it to shape our lives, Lord, as we seek to be a church that is aligned with your will. We ask as we walk through this text this morning that you might open our eyes and our ears to what you would have for us, that you would allow us to listen to you, Lord. Listen to your word and listen to your spirit. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am a researcher. I read and, and I watch a, a lot of reviews. I don't really buy anything uh, unless I first research that. And, and you can tell what I'm looking at. You can tell what I'm thinking about purchasing by looking at my, my suggestions on YouTube or even by scrolling through my Facebook and seeing the ads that are popping up, right? Because, you know, they're tracking you and, and everywhere you go, they're just popping these ads up and then you start to change and start to look at something else. And then all of a sudden you've got those ads that are, that are coming up. And mainly I am into 
technology. I'm always uh, looking to see what is the latest thing that is coming out and technology is always progressing and always changing and I'm reading technology blogs and, and I want to know like what, what is it, what's out there? Is there something I should look into? And, and, and I don't know if many of you know but, but PlayStation and Xbox just came out with some new gaming consoles. Now, now I'm not a gamer. I have not played any video games in like 15 to 20 years but when you read the reviews and you look at the videos on these things it's like man these things are awesome. Like I, I remember playing Nintendo um, and, and the graphics were terrible and you could only just go straight across the screen and now everything looks so real. And so I, I want to look and I want to see like what is, what is the difference here? Is this something that I should look into? Is it worth it? Do I even need any of these systems? I have no idea, but that's where the reviews come in, right? Or, or you know that I'm into photography and photography companies, they're always coming out with, with new cameras or new lenses or new you know, camera equipment that you can use when you're taking pictures and photographs. And so I watch a number of YouTubers and I read a number of blogs just to kind of keep up with what is going on in the industry. And you know, it doesn't have to be technology. It doesn't have to be photography, right? It can be, I'll look up reviews on lawn equipment, on on bikes, on storage uh, solutions, whatever it is that I'm looking at to buy. You better believe that I'm going to look at a review. I'm going to check those things out before I buy the product, especially if there's any sort of significant cost that is associated with it. And sometimes I do a bunch of research and I might just determine, hey, you know, I don't, I don't even need that thing. Uh, I'll save us, save us some money. And sometimes I'll determine, oh, I do need that. And so then I may save up to get that. And when I go looking for reviews, I don't, I don't seek those reviews out from just anyone. I've got a number of review sites, a number of, of YouTubers that I go to and I, and I listen to first. And I go to these because these folks have experience in their field. I don't watch camera reviews by people who are not professional photographers. I don't watch lawn equipment reviews by people who aren't landscapers, right? I seek out reviews from people who are experts in their field, and I continue to follow those folks because they, are, they offer unbiased reviews, that they are helpful and honest. And just as we listen to these folks who we believe are helpful and honest as well as experts in their field, there is someone else that we should listen to as well. Now, he's not going to give you a product review. He's not going to help you get the best deal uh, this Christmas from, you know, Walmart or Best Buy or Amazon or wherever else it is that, that you're shopping at. But, but we should listen to him. And the him that I'm talking about, if you haven't guessed already, is God. We should listen to him certainly more than we listen to somebody who writes a review on a website or some YouTuber who makes this awesome video about this new product that is coming out. We should listen to God. Amen. And why is that? Why should we listen to God? Well, we look at Acts chapter 16 and we're going to find out. And Acts 16 picks up during Paul's, the Apostle Paul, his second missionary journey. Uh, much of Acts follows the building of the early church from its inception, you know, all the way to Paul's third missionary journey and, and, and then onwards. And it kind of carries on into our day, if you will, even though it's not, not written there. But, but here we are, we're in the middle of Paul's second missionary journey as he is going around and he's spreading the gospel in these different regions. And he had three journeys in all. And Paul has separated from Barnabas and Mark, and he chose Silas to go on with him on this 
second missionary journey. And they leave from this city called Antioch and they head to another city by the name of Cilicia. And they find themselves in Lystra where they add young Timothy to their crew. And in the scripture reading that Ryan read this morning was a letter that Paul sent to young Timothy after this second missionary journey that they went on. And they head out with Timothy in their crew to, from Lystra to a number of other cities. And their point in going to all of these different cities is to strengthen the churches. And then they head to Phrygia and Galatia. And they head to those regions as opposed to Asia because the Holy Spirit had forbade them from going to Asia. And after traveling through Phrygia and, and Galatia and to Mysia, Paul wanted to go into to Bithany, which was kind of up to the right here. So he's kind of taking this, this line, if you will. Asia's over here. Uh, Bithany is up over here. And so he wants to go into Asia first and start strengthening these churches and, and presenting the gospel to them. But God says, no, you can't go there. Heads on up. And he's like, I want to go to Bithany and I want to begin to preach the gospel there. And God says, no, you can't, you can't go there. And so he finds himself in Troyes. And in Troyes, he has this, this dream and he has a, a vision. And this is where we pick up in verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, this we is not Paul speaking. This we is actually Luke. So Luke is the writer of the Gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts. And so Luke joins them on this missionary journey as well. And so you've got Paul and Silas, you've got Timothy, and now you've got, you've got Luke. And, and he's talking about this vision that, that Paul has had. And in Paul's vision, there's this Macedonian man calling him to come to Macedonia to provide them with help. And the help that this man desires is not physical help. They don't need someone to come and help them rebuild after some storm came through the area. No, the help that this man needs is, is spiritual help. And we know that because Paul concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel to them there in verse 10. And that's the assistance that they needed in Macedonia. They needed the gospel. They needed the hope that only Jesus could offer them. And Paul, he, he listened to the Lord. Paul had listened to the Lord. Don't, don't go into Asia. Don't go into Bithynia. And now he's here in, in Troyes. And, and he, he listens to the Lord. He didn't try to go where God did not want him to go. Instead, he went exactly where the Lord had directed him. The Lord directed Paul to those places because the Lord planned to use Paul and Silas and Timothy and now Luke to, to preach the gospel to others so that they might come to faith in Christ. And Paul and his crew, they did the exact opposite of what Jonah did so many years earlier. You know, Jonah, there's a book after his name in the Old Testament, kind of near the back of the Old Testament there. Um, and, and if you remember Jonah, God had called him to go to the city of Nineveh and God called him to preach to the Ninevites. But, but there was only one problem. The Ninevites were, were enemies of Israel and Jonah did not like the Ninevites. And Jonah knew that God was a God of mercy. God was a God of grace. And he knew that if, if 
God was sending him to the Ninevites, that God had a plan for the Ninevites, that God had a plan that the Ninevites might repent. And he didn't want to go. He didn't want them to experience God's mercy. And so Jonah says, I'm not going to follow what the Lord has for me. I'm going to go to the complete opposite end of the world. And so he gets on a ship for Tarshish. And this big, huge storm arises because God desires him to go to Nineveh. And the sailors, they're like, man, what are we going to do about this? We got to get back to shore. And they can't get back to shore. The storm just gets worse and worse and worse. And finally, Jonah says, look, I'm the reason for this storm. Throw me overboard. Everything's going to be fine. And so with much reluctance, they do end up throwing him overboard because they see that they're, gonna, they're not going to survive this if they don't. And the sea calms and Jonah sinks to the bottom and a big, huge fish swallows him whole. And he ends up living in this fish for three days and three nights and eventually he is spit out on a beach after which he promptly goes to Nineveh and preaches like the weakest sermon you have ever heard. But the Ninevites... Man, they, they repent. The, the king repents. The whole city repents and they receive God's mercy. They did not experience God's wrath. Now, Paul, he didn't do what Jonah did. Maybe he read the book of Jonah and he said, man, I, I need to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to end up in the belly of a fish or anything like that. Paul did not do what Jonah did. And I'd like to think that Paul didn't do what Jonah did, not because he didn't want to end up in the belly of a fish, but because he desired to see the Lord's name proclaimed. He desired to see the Lord glorified. He desired to see other people come to faith in Christ. And so he listens to the Lord's guiding. He allows the Lord to direct him to places to places that he hadn't really planned to go. He didn't start out on this trip planning to go to all these different places that the Lord is directing him to, but, but he went there anyways. He desired to go to Asia and preach the gospel there, to Bithynia and preach the gospel there. But Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, they don't go to those two places. They end up on a ship to Macedonia. And Paul found himself in Macedonia because he listened to the Lord. He wanted to be used by the Lord to make disciple-making disciples, and so he listened to the Lord, and that's why we should listen to the Lord as well. You see, those who listen and align themselves with God's will are used by God to make disciple-making disciples. If we don't listen to the Lord, if you don't allow the Lord to direct and to, to guide you if, you, if you seek to do things in your own way, in your own time, according to your own plans, God is not going to use you. You've got to be willing to listen to the Lord, to align yourself with God's will, to let him use you as his instrument to make disciple-making disciples. Paul knew that. He listened to the Lord because he wanted to see the Lord glorified. We have to know that as well because we want to, as a church, we should want to see Jesus glorified. We should want to see his name proclaimed. We should want to see other people come to faith in Christ. And so we must listen to the Lord. Listen to the Spirit of the Lord. Listen to his word. Well, if we pick back up in verse 11, we see that this, this story goes a little bit further. He says, so setting sail from Troyes, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. 
and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together." So Paul listened to the Lord. Paul found himself on a ship to Macedonia. He made quick work of this journey because they had, you know, the wind behind them. And when they arrived in Macedonia, this region, they went to the city of Philippi, which was the leading city in this district. And in Philippi, God used Paul to bring about the conversion of three different types of people. Paul was first used to bring about the conversion of Lydia. We're told here that that on the Sabbath, Paul sought out the place of prayer. Now, Paul's normal routine, if you, if you follow him through his missionary journeys, Paul's normal routine was to go into a city, to go to the synagogue, to preach the gospel and, and reason with them about why, why Christ was, why Jesus was the Christ, why he was the Savior, why they should believe in him. He would reason from them, not from the New Testament, because the New Testament wasn't written, but from the Old Testament. Yes, Jesus is in the Old Testament. And so he reasoned from them from the Old Testament. He would point out all the different promises and the reasons why the Christ had to come and why Jesus was the Christ. This was his normal routine. But, but he finds himself in Philippi, in this Roman colony, and there, there's not a synagogue there. But the Jews, they, they would still gather together for prayer. You see, in order for there to be a synagogue, there had to be 10 Jewish men who lived in a city. And there apparently weren't 10 Jewish men who lived in the city of Philippi. And so they were not able to form a synagogue. And so he goes to the place of prayer and he decides he's going to preach the gospel to them. And there were a bunch of women who had gathered together there. And, and Paul does that. He preaches the gospel to them. Now, as 21st century Americans, we, we tend to kind of gloss over this text a little bit. But but this is very significant, especially for Paul's day. Right? This, was, this was radical. Paul thought enough of these women to seek them out and to preach the gospel to them. He didn't disregard them because they were women. Instead, he brought the gospel to them, believing that, that all people are equal of deserving of salvation because all people, men, women, children... Jews, Gentiles, slave, free, they're all created equal. They're all created in the image of God. Amen. And this is something that, that we've got to remember in our day. We are all equal because we have all been created by God. We need to, we need to start treating one another like, like we're all equal. We need to treat other one justly and with equality. No, no one is better than another. We all need Jesus, the the ground at the foot of the cross is, is level. There's not one section for us and one section for these other people over here. And it's all level. We've all been created by God. He didn't create one race or one type of people better than another race or another type of people. He created us all in his image. And that's how we have to see one another. We are all created in God's image. And we need to care for one another in that way as well. Now returning to our text, what happened when Paul explained the gospel to these women in verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. Now if you remember that, we looked at that in the book of Revelation. City of Thyatira, she was a seller of purple goods 
who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, Lydia, she, she comes to faith in Christ. And we notice why does she come to faith in Christ? Well, it's because the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul had said. Without God working in her life, she would have disregarded Paul's words just like most of the others had in the past. But that wasn't God's plan. It said, God, he, he planned to use Paul to preach the gospel message to this woman by a river outside the city in a place that Paul had never been before. Paul was there because God wanted him there at that moment, at that time. And Lydia was there as well because God wanted her there at that moment, at that time. In God's sovereignty, Paul was directed by the Spirit not to go into Asia, not to go into Bithany, but to go to Macedonia, to Philippi, to go outside of the city next to this river where he met these women who gathered together for prayer because there weren't 10 Jewish men in the city to form a synagogue. And he preached the gospel to them. And the Lord opened Lydia's heart so that she might believe in Jesus as her Lord and as her Savior. Amen. Our God is sovereign. He is in control. He had a plan for Paul. Paul listened to the Lord, aligned himself with God's will, and he was used by God as his instrument to bring salvation to Philippi. And specifically, here we see to Lydia. And not only was Lydia saved, but we're told that her whole household believed as well. That day, a woman who moved to Philippi to conduct business as a seller of, of purple goods, a God-fearing, Yahweh-worshiping woman came to faith. She experienced salvation because our God is sovereign and Paul listened to the Lord. And Lydia is the first person to come to faith in Philippi. She was a reputable businesswoman of considerable wealth who feared the Lord but did not yet worship King Jesus until Paul showed up. Paul wasn't just sent to Philippi to save a reputable, wealthy businesswoman. No, he was there to save some other folks as well. Look at the text starting in verse 16. As we're going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. This is a, this is a separate day, another occasion met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And so we see that Paul was also used to release a slave girl from the bondage of demonic possession. This girl clearly did not worship Yahweh. She was not a part of, of high society at all. She was not wealthy. She was a slave girl. And on top of being a slave girl, she was actually possessed by a demon. And because she was possessed, she was able to foretell the future. She was most likely in the cult of Apollo. She was kind of similar to the oracle at Delphi, but certainly not on the same level as her. She, however, was, was able to tell the future. 
And her masters utilized her for their own gain. They made a lot of money off of this girl. And here's Paul. He's in Philippi. And God, he has other plans for this girl. In his sovereignty, he had her follow Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy crying out, hey, these people are here to preach the gospel to you. These people are here to teach you about the way of Jesus, thinking that they're going to get them run out of town. And Paul gets annoyed. And he's like, I could get rid of this demon and cast it out of this girl. Paul provides this girl with immediate release from this demon. And while this happens, while while this girl is released from darkness that day, while this girl is released from the bondage that day, she's no longer able to foretell the future. And that doesn't go well for Paul and Silas. In verses 19 through 24, we're told that the master of this girl sees that they're not able to make any money off of her anymore. They're like, man, our, our, our meal ticket is gone. Well, what are we going to do? Well, of course, they're mad at Paul and they're mad at Silas. And so they start riling people up in the, in the town about them and start bringing these charges against them, accusing them of di- disturbing the city. Verses 20 and 21 tell us that, that they, they're, they're telling the, the people there that they're advocating customs that are not lawful for Romans to accept or practice. And the, the crowd joins in and the magistrates decide that they're going to punish them. And so they tear off their clothes, they beat them, and they throw them into prison. But a beating and an imprisonment doesn't stop Paul and Silas from preaching the gospel, from praising the Lord. They were praying in a loud voice there, singing hymns to the Lord. It's about midnight, the text tells us now. And keep in mind that that these men have been beaten. Their clothes have been ripped off. They've been thrown in a a Roman prison. This this isn't some, you know, nice prison. Uh, There's not a comfortable bed for them to sleep on. There's not a TV. They're not going to get a meal the next day or anything like that. This is a dirty, dingy Roman prison. And on top of that, their feet are put into stocks, which would keep them in place. We're not in a comfortable situation. Their wounds had not been attended to. But instead of complaining, we're told that they praised the Lord. And others were listening to them. We're told that at the end of verse 25 that the prisoners were listening to them. One way or another, whether they were free, whether they were in jail, the gospel was going to be preached in Philippi. And Paul and Silas's prison praise and worship session, though, was not the end of their witness. Look at the text beginning in verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now, while they're praising the Lord and God's sovereignty and earthquake occurs. And this isn't just any old earthquake. It actually opens the, the cell doors. Not only does it open the cell doors, but, it, but somehow, miraculously, it, it releases the stocks that are holding their feet. And so they're able to freely walk out of this prison if they want to, but they decide not to. They stayed instead of escaping because the Lord desired for them to preach the gospel to this Philippian jailer. Look at verse 28. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, 
Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. See, previous to Paul's comment, the jailer, he'd, he'd run in. He'd saw that all the cell doors were open, and, and he's like, man, they're gone. And back then, if you lost a prisoner, you, you died. And so he decides that he's going to kill himself to, to kind of keep some honor. And so he pulls his sword to kill himself. But Paul yells out with this, this loud voice to stop. We, we're all here. There's no need for you to, to kill yourself at all. We are all here. And the jailer is, is shocked. He calls for the lights and he sees that, that not one of the prisoners had left. Not one of them had tried to escape. And then he turns to Paul and he says in verse 30, then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And so some amazing things we see are happening here in Philippi. Now it's not clear whether this Philippian jailer knew exactly what he was asking Paul when he asked him how he might be saved. I mean, he might have heard about Lydia and, and, and her salvation. He might have heard about Paul's exorcism of this demon-possessed girl. It's not clear what this man knew. It's not clear even if this man knew what he was asking when he asked Paul what he must do to be saved. But Paul tells him, your only hope in life is Jesus. Don't hope in anything or anyone else. Do not seek salvation in anything or anyone else. Forsake all of these pagan deities. Forsake all the status and wealth and, and reputation that you might have. Forsake it all for Jesus because Jesus is your only hope. And just as Lydia believed, and just as this demon-possessed girl was released from the bondage of darkness, the Philippian jailer believes as well. And the Philippian jailer was too drawn out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He believed. Amen. And just as with Lydia, he and his household believed they were all baptized to show that they trusted in Jesus. And here we see that, that baptism and our profession of faith are, are intertwined. Not that you've got to be baptized to be saved. Instead, our baptism shows our connection to Jesus publicly. It shows that, that we believe in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. And when the Philippian jailer and his household was baptized, just as with Lydia and her household, they were saying that I trust exclusively in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I, I reject all of these other deities. I reject all of these other ways to salvation. I believe in Jesus alone as the one who can provide me with salvation. This is what this man was saying. This is what his family was saying when they were baptized. This is what Lydia was saying and Lydia's family was saying when they were baptized. I believe that Jesus is my only hope. And here we see in Philippi that, that three different types of people were saved. We've got a reputable, God-fearing, wealthy business, not man, but businesswoman, a demon-possessed girl, and a hardened, retired soldier who is now a Roman jailer. God doesn't discriminate as to who can experience 
salvation. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. You can experience salvation. You don't have to clean yourself up at all. You don't have to make yourself look good to God and presentable to him. You don't have to do any works of, of any kind, right? Paul did not tell the Roman jailer, well, you need to go do this, and you need to go do this, and you need to go do that. No, he said, believe in Jesus. That's what you do to be saved. There was nothing for him to do. And we see that salvation is open to all kinds of peoples. And not only is salvation open to all peoples, but we see here that our God is a pursuing God. God in his sovereignty will direct and he will use those people as his instruments who listen to and align themselves with his will to bring about the salvation of other people. God pursued these people in Philippi through Paul. He wouldn't let Paul go into Asia. He wouldn't let Paul go into Bithynia. He gave him a vision in the night that sent him on a ship to Macedonia, to Philippi, outside of that city to a river, a demon-possessed girl following him, annoying him so much so that he cast the demon out and ends up in a Roman jail where there is a Philippian jailer who experiences salvation. There in Philippi, God used Paul as his instrument to bring about the salvation of these people. And Paul was used by God to make disciple-making disciples because he listened to the Lord. He aligned himself with God's will. He listened to the prompting, to the directing of the Spirit, allowing God to direct and to, to use him as he saw fit, even though that changed his plans, even though he experienced hardships and difficulties, even though these things occurred, Paul was willing to follow the Lord. He was willing to follow the Lord because he knew that the Lord was going to use him. He, and he desperately wanted to be used as God's instruments to bring about the salvation of other people for Jesus's glory. And so he listened to the Lord. And we must do the same. If we want to be a church that makes disciple making disciples, then we must listen to the Lord, allowing him to use us in the way that he sees fit. We must forsake comfort. We must be willing to change our, our plans. We must allow the Lord to guide and to direct us, to use us in the way that he, he sees fit. We must listen to the Lord. And we must listen to and follow the Spirit's leading and guiding. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but there's certainly been times in my life where, where I felt as if the Spirit is, is prompting me to, to go and to talk to somebody, to, to give somebody a call, to send somebody a message. And I don't know why, but, but then I soon find out that it's because the Lord desired that I might minister to that person. I'm sure that you've experienced times where the Spirit has led you as well. And we must be open to that that leading we need to take those opportunities when they arrive not not suppressing them because they make us uncomfortable because that often happens right God asks us to do things that are uncomfortable and not only do we need to be open to the leading of the spirit but we must listen to God's will that is found in his word we must align ourselves with his will as we seek as we learn it from his word God's word is active, it is living. God's word provides us with, with his will for our lives. And so we, it isn't, it isn't as, as if we just have to get a word from the Lord every time we're supposed to go and do something, right? I mean, the spirit certainly will guide and, and direct us. But God's word is here to guide and, and direct us as well. And so we, we go to this and we listen to this. And let me just say also, when we are to listen to the spirit, 
the Spirit is not going to tell us to do something that is not in accord with God's Word. And so just because you say the Spirit has come and, and told you something, if it doesn't line up with God's Word, then the Spirit hasn't told you something. Some other Spirit is speaking to you. And so we have to be careful as well that we test those things that maybe the God, God is prompting us to do through the work of the Spirit with His Word to make sure it aligns with that. And in order for us to do that, we've got to know God's Word. We've got to know His will. We've got to know what His Word says. And it's His Word that will guide and direct us. A church that is aligned with God's will is a church that listens to the Lord. And a church that listens to the Lord through His Word and His Spirit is a church that is used by God to make disciple-making disciples. May we be that church. May we be that church that, that listens to the Lord, a church that is open to the Lord's leading and guiding, whether that be the prompting of the Spirit or whether that, that comes through God's Word directly. May we be a church that listens to the Lord so that we might be used by the Lord. You see, if we want to be a church that is used to make disciple-making disciples, if we want to be a light in this community, if we want to see renewal and growth, then we must listen to the Lord aligning ourselves with His will. May we be that church. And that's how you can respond this morning. You can respond by purposing to listen to the Lord, to listen to the prompting of the Spirit, to listen to the Lord through His Word, to, to reading His Word so that you know what His will actually is, so that you can actually listen to Him. May we be that church. And that's how we can respond this morning. And if you don't know Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior, you can listen to the Lord as well. You've, you've heard the Lord speak to us through his word this morning. You've heard that you don't need to clean yourselves up. You've heard that salvation is open to all different types of people. And this morning is an opportunity for you to listen and to respond to God's word as well. And if that's you, won't you do that? Won't you respond to the Lord this morning by turning to Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, just as the Philippian jailer did, just as Lydia did? Won't you experience a release from darkness this morning, just as the demon-possessed girl did? Won't you listen to the Lord this morning? After I pray, Scott's going to come up. He's going to lead us in song. It's going to be an opportunity for you to respond to God's word this morning, to show that you are listening. If you're a church member, that's an opportunity for you to purpose to listen to the Lord. If, if the Lord is working and the Lord is opening your heart as he did Lydia's, it's an opportunity for you to respond by turning to Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And so we're going to take a moment here and we're going to respond. We're going to allow the Spirit to lead us during that time. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we respond. God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather as a church. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that you speak to us, both through your spirit and through your word, God. And we ask that you would help us to be a church that listens to you, that listens to the spirit, that listens to your word. And God, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you, as their Lord and as their Savior, we ask, Lord, that you might open their hearts as you did Lydia's so that they might come to faith in you. God, we ask that they might repent of their sins and turn and it's profess Jesus 
as their exclusive Savior. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.